mentoring moments. I have uh, other episodes where I address other topics, but the reason that I created this series called Mentoring Moments is that as an older mom, I feel a responsibility to mentor younger moms who might be looking for some perspective that can really only come with experience and with time. And I know that as a young mom, I struggled trying to find someone that would speak into my life and give me that uh, that kind of perspective. I fortunately had a couple of women in my life and one in particular is still part of my life, and I just have been so grateful for that. But I want to um, hopefully bring that kind of encouragement to you, um, moms. You are raising kids in unprecedented times, but I want you to remember something, that you were made for such a time as this, and so were your children. God intended for you to be your kids' moms during this time. And he is going to equip you. And I hope that um, these mentoring moments and this time that we're spending today will do exactly that. So I am thrilled today to have a special guest. Vicki Bentley is joining me. Um, so you're literally going to be hearing uh, from uh, several decades of experience between the two of us. So <laughs> I'm making it sound Vicki. <laughs> Vicky, I want to I want to just give you a little bit of background on Vicky because um, I specifically reached out to her because I just respect her so much and and she it has been providing that that kind of encouragement that I mentioned to moms for a very long time and uh, and she does it so well but she's the mother of eight daughters she is the foster mom of over fifty and grandma to 23 wonderful grandbabies so far and great grandma to five. She has homeschooled 17 children alongside of her husband, Jim, and has been in support group leadership since 1991. She served on the executive board and the convention committee of the Home Educators Association of Virginia and has addressed state and national conventions, university teacher organizations, and many mothers groups. She is the author of My Homeschooler, My Homeschool Planner, Everyday Cooking, The Everyday Family Chore System, oh, that sounds like a winner, Home Education 101, a mentoring program for new homeschoolers, High School 101, Blueprint for Success, and other homeschool and homemaking tips. She also coordinates Homeschool Legal Defense Association's Toddlers to Tweens program, which is homeschooling toddlers to tweens, as well as their group services. She has a heart for parents, especially moms, with practical wisdom and encouraging words. Oh, I'm getting encouraged just reading this. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. Oh, Dorenda, I'm so honored to have been invited. Thank you so much. Mm, well, I, you, you're not lacking for experience. <laughs> I always tell people, you, you hear a bio like that, and, I, and people expect me to be an expert. I said, I'm not an expert in anything. I'm just really experienced. And if you look at my photo, you'll see all the silver hair. So, <laughs> well, you know, the Bible says that is the crown of glory. So, um, this is a great thing. And I'm so honored that you're here because I'm, I'm reading over these numbers, and it's just, it just blows me away. But uh, again, like you said, experience. And, you know, with. And not everyone gains wisdom from experience, 
but I know that you have, and that's why I, I really, really was excited about having you here today, and am excited. Um, so the, I had, I came up with some questions because I feel like I, I really want to hopefully reach the heart of what many moms might be feeling. Now, since we're addressing such a large um, and vast and varied group of moms, I think one of the the first things I'd like to talk about is just to talk about what we have in common. So um, let's maybe just tell me what you think are the struggles that we all have in common, whether we had homeschooling thrust on us, whether we chose to homeschool, what would you say are the struggles? My goodness. I I think right now, probably the biggest thing is that feeling of being in limbo, that feeling of not knowing not knowing what's next. Uh, how long is this going to last? Is this something that's just going to be a few weeks, a few months? Uh, the unknown. I think the unknown just really throws us. So there's a lot of things in our lives right now that we don't feel very in control of. <laughs> so, And that's hard for a lot of us. I mean, some of us are a little more control freaks than others probably. Right. But, but I think it's, it's, it's just really difficult to not know. And, you know, a lot of times we're so accustomed to our kids being able to look to us as being able to give them direction. And when we're not sure what's going on, it's, it's just really difficult. It's that, mm. that limbo stage, I think. It, yeah, it really is. And I'm sure that you've, you've been in that position many times in the past. Have you found, what have you found to kind of help ground you a little bit? Well, um, I think it's always coming back to a little thing I always tell my kids is, is this isn't catching God by surprise. Mm-hmm. You know, God didn't wake up one day and say, oh, my goodness, what's going on down there? You know, he's <laughs> he's known all along. He's, as you mentioned before, uh, you know, he's he's um, put our children in our families knowing that this is this is going to happen. And right. Um, and. I know for a lot of us, everybody's going to approach this from different angles. Um, mm-hmm. Just to give you an example, I think we're going into what, finishing up the second month of quarantine and that sort of thing. And and I posted something on Facebook about the you know, finishing up the second month of quarantine. And one mom said, it's only been two months. <laughs> and another mom said, wow, has it been two months already? So everybody's perspective is going to be a little bit different because some people are are a little less extroverted. Maybe this isn't really bothering them quite so much, but then there's others. So I think it's important for us to recognize that we set the tone for our family. Mm -hmm. If we see this as an adventure, as an opportunity to do some things we didn't do before. And I know everybody's circumstances are a little different. Some people are financially in a position to be enjoying this almost as a vacation time. And for other people, this is incredibly stressful financially. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So I know that sometimes when we talk about different things that we can do during this time period, I'm, I'm very cognizant of the fact that we have a lot of families out there thinking, yeah, must be nice for you. We're just trying to figure out how we're eating tomorrow. And right. so, you know, we've exactly. got some moms saying we're baking fun stuff. And the other moms are thinking, I wish we could do that. I'm not sure how we're eating. And mm-hmm. so I'm very aware of that. And I'm mm-hmm. very aware of the need for us to be caring for one another right now. Mm-hmm. But but setting the tone for our family, um, you know, our, our kids are more likely to see this as an adventure if we do. Right. So, right. And, you know, I think it's something we can pray for that God would give us eyes to see 
what his plan is for our particular family right now. So maybe the family who it's more of a crisis, this is a time um, to possibly just be focused on faith, focused Mm -hmm. on God's word, focused on his promises of provision and watching for when that happens. Um, Because these are the times that um, really build our kids' faith when it's tangible and where the rubber meets the road and when we're modeling to them what real faith looks like. And Mm -hmm. I, I don't know a parent out there who does that perfectly? I think it's important for us, obviously, age appropriate, sharing things sure. that for, you know, according to age appropriateness. But we have over the years as we've gone through different times of uh, financial strain or um, baby in the hospital or loss of a grandchild um, years ago, we um, just re- slowing down. I think that's mm-hmm. my biggest thing is we have to understand that slowing down and listening for the Lord's voice and being aware of where our kids are emotionally and mentally, you know, um, some, you know, like my grandkids, they don't have a clue anything's going right. on. Right. I mean, you know, the, 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 the one set of grandkids doesn't. The, uh, another, another of our grandkids, um, you know, she's very verbal. She has a lot of conversations with her mom. She's just wired that way. And her mom um, just has, you know, explained to her in an age-appropriate way kind of what is going on. And, and she announced to us the other day the coronavirus is forcing us all to stay home. And <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> she's five years old, and so you know, it just yeah. every child is different, and I think it is so important to uh, recognize your unique situation. Seek the Lord's heart for you right now in this particular scenario. What is He calling you to? Because He um, loves to work in these situations. The, the those most challenging situations are the ones where He seems to do the deepest work in us and in our kids and. I just remember in the other crises we've been in, um, we would share with our kids, especially if they were a little bit older, you know, we Mm -hmm. would say, we're really struggling, struggling with understanding um, where things are going to land. But, you know, we know God is good and he's always provided in the past, you know, so just it's really pointing them back to him in the midst of it. And it's it is the unknown is such um such an unsettling place to be but it's also the place where our faith can grow leaps and bounds and god has a purpose and a that's plan right. that's right and i so appreciate that you point that out dorenda that our kids do need that reassurance because even if we haven't been speaking to them about some of these things mm-hmm. they're sensing it mm-hmm. and so they may have questions they don't even know how to voice or right. they're afraid to voice. And so it is important for us to remember that we have an adult context in all of this. Right. Um, a friend of mine's little boy is um, between five and six. And one day he's, a, he's just standing at the counter with her and he says, can I ask you something? And she says, sure, buddy. He said, um, how much longer before the whole world runs out of food and water? Oh, my goodness. And so she she was able, all he'd heard was of the food shortages and the other shortages and Mm -hmm. you can't find this and you can't find Mm -hmm. that. And and he doesn't have the adult context of understanding the supply system and, and all. So she was able to explain to him that, 
you know, there will be more things in the stores pretty soon and right. and we can grow some more food and the water mm-hmm. system and that sort of thing. And I've That's heard of other so people, good. yeah, other people who have heard because their parents are following the news and they're hearing the coronavirus is coming, you know, as the numbers were getting bigger and different cities were being impacted. There were some children who thought, all people were going to get this and die. And so it's just really important for us to not necessarily um, talk about, like you said, we've got to be age appropriate, developmentally appropriate, but also reassuring our kids, letting them see where our trust is, letting them know that, um, you know, it's like you said, there's some tough stuff going on, but you know, we're going to have an adventure and it's all going to be, we're, we're going to be okay. And there are things we can control and there's things we can't control. So I need to concentrate on what I can control. (laughs) And part of that is my attitude and the atmosphere in my home. Yes, it is. And our kids are counting on us for security Mm -hmm. and to feel safe because they need to be able to go on being kids. And I think that's so important for us to remember because developmentally, it is so important that um, they're not, my hope would be if I had younger children right now would be not that this would not affect them in a traumatic way. Right. My job would be to protect them from as much of that as I can so they can continue developing in a natural way without interruption. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's why we're talking about what we're talking about today is is keeping that focus and keeping like you said that atmosphere in the home. And you know, we may have to we may have to dig deep for that, but you know, it's worth it. It is so worth it because we're making such a huge investment in to our children and into their futures. And, you know, as grandmas, and you're a a great grandma, you understand when I say we're not just investing in our children, we're investing in our grandchildren and the children that come after them because our children are part of that 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 chain of you know one generation to the next and and what we model for them. And they say, you know, more is caught than taught. Mm -hmm. So um, they're gonna they're gonna see more of our actions and absorb more of our actions than they are of our words. If we're saying, "Oh, God, we can trust God," but they see us worrying, panicking, panicking, <laughs> they're not gonna believe it. They're smart. They are smarter than that. And this is the beautiful thing about raising kids is mm-hmm. is there's accountability that comes with it that we genuinely have to dig in and trust God because our kids pick up on hypocrisy a mile away. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, well, you know, you used a term a moment ago. It's, it was such a good term. You talked about our kids and needing security. And I find that one of the things that helps kids feel most secure in circumstance, circumstances like this is having some kind of routine, mm-hmm. having some kind of rhythm or pattern yes. to their day. Yes. So Absolutely. when you had asked before, what is, what's one of the things we can do to keep our focus in the middle of so many unknowns? It's to minimize the unknowns, to do what we can to build as much routine into the day that there's Mm -hmm. familiarity. 
for them. Exactly. That's exactly right. It doesn't mean you've got to ding a bell to go from breakfast to lunch to dinner or whatever, but it's having a pattern to the day. Maybe you stay up late, you know, you're binge watching TV shows you haven't gotten to do before. You're watching movies or you're playing, you know, doing puzzles or playing games late at night or whatever it might be. And you get up later in the morning because you can. That's okay. Knowing that you know, we may not get up at seven o'clock every morning or five o'clock or whatever it was before, but when we get up, we do this. And after right. that, we do this. Yes. And it may be chunks. You don't have to do the same thing every day, but it may be we're going to spend some some time on the house during this time period, a right. chunk of time. Just knowing Knowing what comes next can give kids a sense of security. And, you know, it's kind of emotionally freeing as a mom to not have to keep thinking about, okay, now what are we going to do? And and I know many of our listeners right now are in that stage of, mm-hmm. now what do I do with them? You know, because right. you haven't had to be doing that. They've, you know, they've been elsewhere and their routine has been... Um, ordained for you already. Um, but now you're having to come up with those things. So having some blocks of time that yes. they know this is what we do next can exactly. be very, exactly very encouraging. So. That's absolutely right. Kids love order. Mm-hmm. They love boundaries. Um, they will fight you on it sometimes, yep. <laughs> but once you get but into they like the team, <laughs> they do, they really do Security. like it. And it is what makes them feel secure and safe. So yes, that's such a good thing to point out routine and a rhythm. And I think, you know, one thing that I used to emphasize with our kids is, you know, they went, they had free time in the afternoon. That, that free time wasn't to play video games or, and I'm not saying you can't use some of that time for that. I'm just saying um, it wasn't, we didn't default to something um, that I would call a little more lazy. I, we, the requirement during that time was simply to be productive, Mm -hmm. whatever that means. If that means you're taking something apart and putting it back together or you're building a fort or you're, you know, but it was thinking along the lines of productivity, because Mm -hmm. I think that is so important because it, it, it begins to bring out the creativity in our kids. Now, sometimes they have to get really bored Mm -hmm. before they get creative, so you kind of have that, you might have that little bit of time there where they might even get naughty because mm-hmm. they don't know what to do with themselves, but that's a character thing. You can deal with that they'll and you can it redirect out. Yeah. it. Yep. You can redirect it. And, you know, sometimes they'll complain. I used to have a jar and, and I would put um, a mixture of jobs, chores, and mm-hmm. fun things to do. So um, they never knew if they came to me and used the word board. They had to reach into that jar and they never knew. They could end up raking the yard (laughs) or they could end up baking cookies. You you never know. You never know. But, you know, my kids still to this day never use that word. (laughs) Do I dare? Do I dare use that word? She's going to pull that jar out. (laughs) In our house, we used a chore system that had a um, part of it was uh, one of the components was a job box. Mm -hmm. And it was all the little all the little tasks yes. that weren't put in our daily and weekly routines. They were the things that you don't do every week or you don't do every day, but still need to get done. Stuff like, I don't know, maybe you guys clean your light switch things, light switch plates off every right. week, but I don't. So, you know, those kinds of little things or could it be, you know, cleaning yeah, organized or whatever. But my thing was with my kids, if you 
have time to be bored. You have too much time on your hands. Let me give you something to do. And so there, the, the instructions were already written out. We have a how to do it card system. And so mm-hmm. on, I didn't even have to, it was a no brainer. didn't even have to think about it. I could pull the card out. Didn't even have to give them instructions because it's all on the card. <laughs> yep, they learned really fast. And you know, as a foster mom, uh, we lived out in the country for a lot of our foster care, the second half of our foster care time period. And uh, it, we were on 250 acres far away from anybody else. And sometimes these teenagers would come to us and they, I can remember one little gal, she was just ready to run off. I mean, she'd been there about a day and she didn't want to do this anymore. And she walked outside and realized she didn't have a clue which whether she should go left or right. She didn't know where the road was. She didn't know where anything was. <laughs> And she couldn't believe we didn't have television and all of these other things. Like, what do you people do? And But after about two weeks of that, she fell into the rhythm. And she started mm-hmm. being inventive and creative and finding things to read and games to play with the other kids. And so it's just like you said, they're, they're accustomed, many of our kids at least, are accustomed to being in an environment where somebody has orchestrated their day and now they right. don't know what to do. Right. And right. we want to jump in and take over and fix it for them. But let's stand back a little bit. Keep them safe. Yes. But, you know, obviously keep them, you know, healthy and safe and those sorts of things. But but let them have some responsibility in that. Yes, I agree. And I think ownership. even, uh, yeah, ownership and a little bit of, um, and sometimes even a little bit of danger in play, especially with boys. I, I just feel like that's <laughs> important. You know, um, I, my boys still tell me stories about things they <laughs> did in the woods that I'm finding out, you know? aren't you? <laughs> I do remember, though, being in the house, you know, doing laundry or whatever, fixing dinner and just feeling like I needed to pray for them. Yeah, now you know why. And I would always have this this struggle of, okay, does this mean I need to actually check on them and ruin this quiet time that I have? Or can I just pray? I would really, I seriously had these conversations with God. Lord, do I need to check on them? Because I will. Like, I don't want them to get hurt or anything. But <laughs> if you could just take care of them right now, it'd be great. I can just keep yeah. doing what I'm doing. What do they always say about when it's too quiet? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. One of my daughters has four very busy little boys and it's, it's constant. And um, I don't know how she finishes any. Thing so right um, yeah I, out I of our relate. eight kids five were boys so yeah. I, I can really relate to that so let's <laughs> talk a little bit you know we want to really think about you know this this specific time there really are some opportunities that uh, we might not have otherwise ex- experienced That's so um, maybe you could talk about the experience of homeschooling the difference between choosing to homeschool and right. having it rest on you. Sure, sure. And, and it's not the same thing. And mm-hmm. I'll, I'll tell you, for, for those of you listening and you're thinking, oh my goodness, uh, my kids have been in a conventional school and now I don't know what to do. This homeschooling thing is just too hard or too different. It's This is, those of us who are homeschooling and have been homeschooling for years, it's hard for, for them too, because uh it's not your normal homeschooling environment. A typical right. homeschooler who's been homeschooling for years, first of all, probably had some time to plan for it. Mm-hmm. Um, most homeschoolers, there are a handful uh, in my job with HSLDA. I sometimes talk with parents who are like, I'm taking my kid out this afternoon. Tell me what to do. Um, but most parents have at least a couple of months to be planning, to doing, be doing some research, to um, investigate 
some of the approaches they'd like to take and that sort of thing. But for those for those of you who are coming into this all of a sudden, you don't have that opportunity to be doing that research. And the people who have been homeschooling all along, they're feeling a little stuck too because they're, despite the opinion some people have about homeschoolers being stuck at home all day, most homeschoolers aren't. They're going to the library, which is now closed. They're going on field trips, which are now closed. They're going to the YMCA, which is now closed. Mm-hmm. They're um, uh, having different opportunities. They're, some of them are going to co-ops that are now closed. So they are very much tied to their homes in a way that they haven't been before and are having to adapt as well. So please don't judge homeschooling by this experience. Right. Um, but uh, but again, just have some grace for yourself. You know, mm-hmm. even those of us who get to plan for a year or two before we homeschool, we still second guess ourselves. We're oh. still all basically making it up as we go along. I'm, mm-hmm. And I say that graciously. I don't mean it to sound that people haven't planned or are winging it or flying by the seat of their pants, but there's not any one right way to do this. No. So as homeschoolers, we all start out, we do our best, we try to have some kind of plan in mind, um, whether we do things a little bit loosey-goosey or more structured. We have some goals that we want our kids to accomplish, and we're just going to accomplish them maybe in different ways, using different materials or different approaches. But um, but we all second-guess ourselves for 15 years, too. So <laughs> don't feel that there's something wrong with you because this doesn't come naturally. Right. Homeschooling is kind of like starting a new job. If you've ever started a new job, it doesn't even matter if it's a field you've been in before. You go to a new location, you start a new job, and it feels like everybody knows what they're doing but you. Mm-hmm. They know the lingo. They know the schedule. They know everything that goes on in the culture of the company. And you feel like you just don't know what you're doing compared to all of these people. And you may not want to tell anybody you don't know because you're scared you're going to lose your job or look bad. And mm-hmm. and it's the same thing as homeschoolers. You know, I've seen so many new homeschoolers come in. And my one of my passions is for taking new people under my wing and letting them see it's okay to be clueless. Let me help you. You know, mm-hmm. we'll just we'll work together on this. It's all right. right. So, well, it's so true. And and when you say figuring it out as you go along, that is absolutely the case. And here's why: because the beauty of homeschooling is that it's flexible. Mm-hmm. And what it's mainly, I think, the main um, most the, the best gift of flexibility about homeschooling is being able to do it the way it works for your yes. family and for your particular children. You may start out, you know, just like, oh, I've got this curriculum and I'm so excited about it. But guess what? Your kid isn't excited about it. Yep. Uh, you get going on it and you try to make it work. And it just becomes clear after a while that this is not the right thing for that child, guess what? You can change it. Mm-hmm. And it's okay. And it doesn't matter if you're two months into the school year. And, and this is what you learn as as you homeschool longer and longer. It's really just such a, um, it is an adventure. And it is a just, it, it's such a, um, every year is, you don't know what it's going to look like exactly. After a while, you do find like 
there's kind of a basic thing, mm-hmm. basic basic things that go on, but the rest of it is kind of, there's some variables in the equation and there should be because every child is different. And right. not only are they different, but they're at different developmental stages, you know, so you've got the younger kids and um, they maybe need a little less of something and maybe they're interested in this, but then as they grow, um, that changes. And so there's just, but again, back to the beauty of homeschooling is just that flexibility to flex Mm -hmm. with your child and whatever season you're in. Like right right now, we are all in a very different season than we've ever been in before. And it is okay to flex to that season. And um, the main thing is, again, I love what you said at the beginning, we are setting the tone in our home. And if what we're doing is causing our family grief And if it is not breathing life into our families, it is okay to stop doing it. That's right. Something else, because that's what we really want is that life flow into our children. Well, I have to put a plug in here for a book. It's one of my favorite books, and I send it to all my girls when they start homeschooling, and I've loaned it out to my ladies in my local support group, and it's by a really fabulous woman named Dorenda Wilson, and it's called The Unhurried Homeschooler. And I just highly recommend, regardless of what approach you think you're going to be taking to education, it's just a really great, it's a little quickie read. I mean, I read the whole book while a loaf of banana bread baked. It's not a long book, but it's so meaty and so valuable and just really helps, um, helps us understand why we're doing what we're doing and to sit back and breathe a little bit. And mm-hmm. and the, uh, the other thing that kind of segues from that is just do one thing. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I do a workshop called Jugg- Juggling Life and Lesson Plans where we take um, lessons from a juggler, ha- how somebody learns to juggle, and we apply those things to juggling life. And in our circumstances here, juggling educating our kids at home. And when somebody's learning to juggle, he doesn't take five balls and throw them in the air at one time. He starts with one ball, tossing mm-hmm. it up and down, up and down, getting a sense for how far it can go before he, you know, he drops it or it's it hits him too hard when it comes down. He just starts with one ball. We see a juggling act after it's been practicing for years and years and years. Uh-huh. And, but we measure ourselves learning to juggle against the professional juggler. Mm-hmm. And as, as moms, and especially homeschooling moms, we need to be careful not to judge ourselves and our homeschooling, not to judge ourselves ever, but not to measure ourselves against somebody who's been doing this with, you know, 14 kids for the last 22 years, and we're starting out from scratch. Mm -hmm. Just pick one thing that you want to work on together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So start from there and then add as you go along. That's so perfect because it's it's really just again I I'm I'm just all about that slowing down and listening mm-hmm. for the Lord's voice you know as believers we have the Holy Spirit as our advocate as our comforter but also to speak words of uh, wisdom to us and and you know God tells us in James one that if we ask for wisdom 
that he will give it to us. And we need to just believe and not doubt and know that in his good time, he will give you wisdom. He might not give it to you in that particular moment, but keep listening and keep That's asking right. and he will show you. And, and that is a perfect combination right there, mm-hmm. just praying and then doing that one thing because God is not about over loading us. That's he right. is not about overburdening us. If you are feeling overburdened, I can tell you that is not God. That's right. And he is actually wanting to lift your burden. So take the time to bring these things before him and ask him, what things should I keep? What things should I put off to the wayside right now? Um, because, you know, he's the one who sees the future. He's the only one who sees the future That's and right. knows what, how all these unknowns are going to play out. Um, and- Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I'm I'm finished. <laughs> oh no, I was just going to say something that that you said struck me. One of the things as we look at homeschooling or schooling at home for this time period or whatever it might be is, you and I only know to do what we did. Mm-hmm. That's the only frame of reference that we have, and for most of us, that's a conventional school situation. That's our right. our frame of reference, and so we we. All we know to do is recreate a school setting at home, whether it's long-term homeschooling or trying to get through the next couple of months and seeing what happens next school year. So we're trying to recreate school at home. But instead, I encourage us to try to envision a lifestyle of learning. It's okay to let your kids read. It's okay to let them learn about something they wanted to learn about. It's okay to let them do these virtual field trips that everybody and their brother is wonderfully putting online right now or to work on a hobby or have a movie marathon or cook mm-hmm. together or whatever it might be. You're a family first. That doesn't mm-hmm. change when you homeschool. You're mm-hmm. still a family first. That's right. That's absolutely right. I always say uh, schools should revolve around home, mm-hmm. not home around school. And when I use the word school, I'm thinking specifically what we all have in mind as a school mm-hmm. setting that we most of us have experienced. And one thing that I want to um, bring into this conversation that applies to um, what we talked about earlier with, you know, keeping our focus in the midst of unknowns and and walking with our kids through such an unusual time, um, but also ties into our homeschooling. And this is something I love and I've always loved to do with my kids and do with my grandkids is ask lots of questions. Mm -hmm. Um, This is a great way to gauge where your kids are when it comes to what's going on around us, this coronavirus thing and all of that. I would... Um, maybe ask them questions like, so, you know, what, what, what do you think is going on right now? And let them tell you because mm-hmm. what will happen is you'll find out what they know and what That's they right. don't know, what they've paid attention to, what they haven't paid attention to. Yep, you're starting and at their level. Exactly. Yeah. You're starting at their level and you're also not you're not going someplace you don't have to go with them mm-hmm. um, that could end up being stressful for them. And so that's, especially in the, as the kids are, when the kids are a lot younger, I really like, for instance, when we would go through um, the cash register at the grocery store and there's always those awful magazines mm-hmm. that are there. And I'm always trying to sort of like redirect my kids, but you know, when you've got five or six, right. it's, it's a little challenging to keep keep them all looking the right direction and keeping the baby from jumping out of the cart and all of that. So um, 
so sometimes I would I would just try to be aware of of where their little what they were paying attention to or what I thought mm-hmm. they might be paying attention to. When we got in the car, I would ask questions. I you know well, we were standing in line and I noticed you were looking at some magazines. What did you see on there? And just see what they tell me. Mm-hmm. And and a lot of times it was something. There's this blaring picture on the front, but that isn't what they saw. <laughs> they saw some little thing up in the corner, right? That, you know, a butterfly or something. Right. And, and they go, "Okay, we don't need to have this conversation." Good, then. good. So this is where you know, this is where I think questions are so important. It also builds the relationship with your kids, and so this is a time we can have a lot of great ongoing conversations. Um, we can talk about our kids' schoolwork. You know, whether they're distance learning or whether we're homeschooling them or whether we've given up on homeschooling or distance learning, you know, we can find out. So what is it you didn't like? What is it you don't like about that math? You you know where your kids are by now, where your mm-hmm. kids are struggling because you've 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 dealt with it now for a while and say, well, what is it about that math that you just did? just doesn't seem to work for you. You know, what do you, is there anything you like about it? What do you don't, what do you not like about it? Do you think there's a better way you could learn that? And I just would try to get as much information and input from them as possible. And that really helped me figure out how they needed to learn something. And it also helped me find out what things they were interested in. Um, even simple things like our boys, you know, they, I, I would always send all of our kids outside in the afternoons and um, they would come back in to talk to me or show me something and I would ask more or tell me, you know, something that happened or something they were playing or, you know, come in and say, well, we need this because we're, we're gathering supplies. Mm-hmm. And I would say, what are you gathering supplies for? And they would tell me, oh, and I would just ask more and more and more questions. And I would find out what it is they were doing out there. And um, what you should be worrying about. (laughs) (laughs) Usually what I found out is they were involved in some pretty creative play. They Mm -hmm. would create their own little, well, there was enough of them. So they would create these little society or this little kind of city or town. They each had their own property. They had their property lines. They each had a different role in the society. They had their own currency system. And and I would find all this out simply by asking questions. And mm. when you hear that kind of information coming in, you realize how much they can learn on their own and how much yep. they are learning on their own through play. Yep. And um, so that I'm a big fan of play, especially in the early years. And um, so moms out there, if your kids are spending, you know, their afternoons playing outside, you're doing a great thing for them. (laughs) And and that's awesome. You know, a lot of parents right now, uh, especially if their kids, well, I was going to say the parents who've had kids in a conventional school, but even the parents who's, who have been homeschooling, things have gotten a little more lax recently for, Mm -hmm. for most of, most of these moms as well. And uh, there's so many things that can be educational, that are just part of everyday living and or the like you said the games that they're playing you know when your kids right now the big thing is puzzles i, I heard actually that the puzzle places are sold out you almost <laughs> can't buy puzzles um but when your kids are doing puzzles they're working on logic skills and spatial reasoning skills and visual discrimination so those are great qualities great characteristics for them to be working on skills to reinforce when they're cooking they're using math skills and language skills and sequencing skills and and they're working on cooperation um when uh, the great time to do read alouds as well right um 
so many life skills that the kids are learning. Um, I know a lot of kids are doing scavenger hunts, the virtual scavenger hunts and things like that. So there are so many activities that are just everyday activities. They don't feel like schoolwork, but they reinforce the academic skills that your kids have been learning. They don't feel like school, but you can feel more comfortable that your kids are doing something that's building and reinforcing the skills that they've been learning. It's okay to let them play. Their play is their, like you said, their play is their work. So Absolutely. Absolutely is. And, and you know, uh, Legos. The mm-hmm. Legos were such a big thing in our house, and I and, <laughs> and we all know that that's that has similar to puzzles, but uh-huh. a little bit different. And and I think it, it really they really grow math skills. And yes. you know you can even get online and Google some of this information. Mm-hmm. How do Legos build math skills? And you will find such great reinforcement and affirmation for letting your kids play Legos, right? And, and because it's it's real, it's very very true. Yeah, and it crosses the the age barriers. Whether you've got a three or four year old playing with the Duplos or a fifteen or sixteen year old building some complex structures, doing robotics types of things with the yes. Legos, you know, you can still be using those things. So just so Absolutely. many wonderful opportunities. So yeah, there really are, and I think this is something we have to just really really try to hone in on these opportunities that we have right now that we might not have otherwise mm-hmm. experienced and to see them as opportunities um, because it's, it's uh, I, I, I think always that's going, that's going to help us see it as more of an adventure and less mm-hmm. of a drag, you know, like you were mentioning earlier, just help us keep that, that sense of adventure. And our, our kids need that too. You know, our, right. they need to, to feel like, okay, we're in this together. This is what builds cohesive families is going through difficult times together. I say that all the time when I, I do um, sometimes share on nurturing sibling relationships and, you know, overcoming obstacles together as a family, whether that's, okay, we need to find the store that actually has toilet paper. That's right. <laughs> we're going to do this together, you know, or, you know, figuring out where we're going to buy our chicken this week because they're mm-hmm. all out at Walmart, you know, well, what other things could we do? Mm-hmm. Um, asking the kids, well, how could we be resourceful and where, what other places do you think we could buy chicken? So you're really, you're solving practical everyday problems that mm-hmm. are part of your world as an adult and a parent and you're bringing your kids into it and they feel like something, they're part of something bigger than themselves. That's and right. this is what brings confidence. Um, it's what brings co- uh, cohesiveness to the family. And, you know, even the sibling squabbles that go on as you're talking through uh, and teaching our kids to resolve conflict. That is a great life skill. That's you right. know, you can't you can't minimize that. Those kinds of that the time that I spent with our kids nurturing sibling relationships, which involved a lot of working through conflict because a lot of different personalities clashing at different times and developmental times and seasons and tiredness and sickness and all kinds of things that cause kids to bicker and fight, um, those were opportunities to uh, build their their uh, people skills. And as adults, I can now look back and also am hearing currently from their employers and from them that those were some of the most valuable things they learned and it had nothing to mm-hmm. do with 
books. That's right. It had everything to do with the family relationship because the family is the foundation of our culture. If the family is solid and cohesive, um, you turn out healthy adults. It doesn't matter if they did trigonometry or not. You have turned out healthy adults who understand what healthy relationships look like, and they make great team players on a job or in their own home as husband, wife, parents, um, ministry. They understand what that looks like, and this is this is the beauty of of nurturing those. This is an opportunity you have right now to nurture those sibling relationships. The other thing is. The other point that I make in my in my talk about this, I just feel like I need to say this. Mm-hmm. Um, we learn we, when we are teaching our kids um, how to love each other, um, how to do what it says in First Thessalonians. So the New Testament talks a lot about how we're to treat each other as the body of Christ. All of those passages apply to right. family life, and as we do that, we are teaching our kids how to be the body of Christ to That's each other. Right. And we live in a culture that doesn't really a lot of people don't understand what that looks like because they don't understand what it looks like to be a family. Mm -hmm. So if you're teaching your kids what it looks like to be a godly family, they're going to know what it looks like to be the body of Christ to each other. Mm -hmm. And I just think that is such a a huge, um, wonderful gift we can give our kids and something we can give the church, you know, as our, as our kids begin to grow into adulthood, um, these kids become part of that body of Christ and um, really, really make a difference. We end up being truly salt and light to the world. Yeah. And Dorenda, one of the things I've learned over the years um, was that my kids didn't need me to be perfect they needed mm. to see how I handled the imperfection. Absolutely. And we have so many opportunities, especially right now in such close quarters, um, to model to our children what it looks like to ask for forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> and and uh, just to and, work on those relationship skills that you talked about. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. And, yeah. So that's uh, so good. That is so good. And I'm sure there's quite a bit of that going on. We actually had that happening here this morning. My husband and I, we don't, we rarely have, you know, disagreements. Mm -hmm. We've been married for 30 years and um, we have a very healthy marriage. But um, (laughs) for whatever reason this morning, we just got irritated with each other. And it really came down to we've just had gotten pushed past our -hmm. our limits. and And we've looked at each other and said, it's not an excuse, you know. And and I'm sorry, and I it's not worth being at odds with you. This is this thing where we're agitated with each other, irritated with each other about um, isn't worth it, you know. And and that's that's what our kids need to see, you know. I'm sorry for I'm sorry for being a jerk. (laughs) Need to be transparent. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Transparent with our kids and and model for them what it looks like to to uh, to humble ourselves and ask for forgiveness and to that's reconcile right. a relationship. So yeah, that's what the gospel is all about. Right. And, you know, we want to be gospel centered families and that, that involves um, repentance and forgiveness. Right. <laughs> so, Oh, well, it's, this has just been so great. I so appreciate uh, you being here and I just wanted you to share if, if just kind of in closing, what is the most helpful thing um, that you feel like you can tell moms who are listening? Sure. Well, um, I guess I guess I would say, what do you want your kids to remember about this time? Mm. Do you want them to look back 
Will, will they remember that you were stressed? Will you remember, will they remember that you were panicked? Or will they remember that, you know what? We weren't rushed all the time. We weren't always having to go places. We weren't always in a hurry. We got to watch movies on a school night, or we got to have a picnic in the backyard and, um, just the different adventures that you, it doesn't have to be expensive stuff. It could just be Mm -hmm. just doing some things out of the ordinary. You know, we, we had some time to read together and we got to play a game instead of rushing around. Mm -hmm. Um, I heard a celebrity mom, she was being interviewed for something and she was talking about how she, um, was speaking she, they have three kids and her little girl's about nine years old and she was talking to her daughter and saying i'm so sorry i know this is so hard for everybody and we're all wanting everything to get back to normal pretty soon and the little girl looked at her and said mama i don't know what you're talking about i just love this i mm-hmm. love just being with you and daddy and my brothers mm-hmm. oh and you know, wow and that's why i say we have this grown-up context here but what do we want our kids to remember from this mm-hmm. Mhm. Mhm. That's so good. Absolutely. And you know that that just kind of spurred one one other idea and that again it, it goes back to questions asking our kids, you know, what what things could we do? What things would you want to do? And throw some ideas out there like you said, a picnic in the backyard or sort of get the juices flowing and let them sort of come up with a Kind of like a bucket list, you know, right. of, of you know, maybe things that don't cost. So you have, can tell them it, it has to be things that, that can't cost a lot of right. money. That, you <laughs> and know, we don't have and, to and, leave for. <laughs> right. So you give them a little framework to work within and they have to be creative and they sort of have to dig deep and be resourceful. And again, that's another skill you're teaching them. So right. these are such simple things that can all work together to make this experience and this time a blessing. So um, mom. I hope. I was going to say on my, if if it will help any, on my blog, I have a one of my blog posts recently was surprise. You're suddenly homeschooling, and in there I have some links for you with some different ideas of everyday activities to reinforce language arts skills or to reinforce math skills or to combat cabin fever and those sorts of things. So maybe there'll be some tips in there that might be of help to somebody. We'd love that. And so I'm going to include all of your contact information um, in the podcast notes. We'll make okay, sure we include great. your website and all any other resources you have and oh, you. Uh, so that moms have a way to connect with you and get a hold of those things. So, yes, thank you. We so appreciate you being here. Um, thank you for being here with us. Oh, again, I'm so honored to be included, and I uh, so appreciate what you're doing, Dorenda, to encourage so many moms across the country. And uh, just appreciate your heart to serve and to mm-hmm. to encourage. Uh, well, I think moms are just, they're just the most awesome ple- people on the planet. And um, so I'm going to take just a couple of minutes to pray over the moms who are listening. Heavenly Father, we just come before you. I thank you for every mom who is listening. God, I pray that as she uh, is taken in the things that we've shared, Lord, that there would be a peace and a calm that floods over her, Lord, knowing um, that she is called to this thing called motherhood, Lord. I just, I thank you for this calling on our lives. Lord, it is a blessing and it is um, it is an honor and it's a privilege. It's exhausting sometimes, but it is a privilege and an honor and a blessing, Lord. And I just pray, Father God, there's so many things we don't know right now, God, but we do know that you have called us to be moms. And so we just pray that you would help each mom who's listening 
to find herself being refocused and laser focused on the things that you are calling her to with her particular family, Lord. I pray for peace. I pray for wisdom. And I just pray for your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 